This is the Child Deception Podcast powered by Awana. My name is Ross Cochran. I am so glad that you're here. Today's guest is Bethany Beal from Girl Defined Ministries. Girl Defined exists to help modern girls understand and live out God's timeless truth for womanhood, and they do that through digital content, books, conferences, podcasts, and a whole lot more. So I sat down with Bethany and Melanie Hester, who serves as the Director of Discipleship Insight for Awana, and we talked about the messages that girls receive today, the unique challenges girls face in their discipleship, and the role that men play and don't play in this conversation. Two quick things you should know before this one starts. First, there were a couple of sound issues with this one that were simply unique to this episode. And second, Bethany is passionate about many things, one of them being sharing the gospel. She's a TNT leader at her local Awana club, meaning she leads middle school age girls in our midweek ministry. And that's actually how Bethany starts the conversation. She talks about how she helps share the gospel with the kids in her community. Thank you for listening. This is the Child Discipleship Podcast. It's actually something, you know, as far as Awana goes, we do it pretty much every single week because I think everything that we talk about ultimately comes back to the gospel. So I think that when I am sharing the gospel with kids, I have to remember like every single aspect of our lives truly comes back to the gospel, truly comes back to Christ and his love for us and him, you know, doing the father's will and going to the cross and then ultimately conquering sin and death and rising again from the dead. And so um, with our kids, actually, what we do is we talk about the basics of the gospel. You know, we talk about the fact that we have sinned, that we have, you know, missed the mark, that we are not perfect, all of that. We talk about that in detail. Then we talk about how Jesus came and how he was perfect and how he died for us. Um, he lived this perfect life and he, you know, he, he gave up his life. He died on a cross, but he didn't stay dead. He ultimately, the only one ever to conquer sin and death. And he rose again from the grave and he's in heaven sitting at the right hand of God and how one day we get to go and be with him forever. So we talk about all of that, but then we actually challenge our girls, especially in Awana, we challenge them to go and we call it the gospel challenge as much or as little, as imperfectly as they can ask them, okay, what actually did they share? And I have found that such a helpful way for these young people to actually think about what the gospel is, because when you have to share it with someone else, it really makes you personalize it. It really makes you think about it deeper. Um, and so that's been one of the coolest ways that we have not only shared the gospel with our girls, that I have not only shared the gospel with the girls, but that we have encouraged them to go on and make disciples, even at their very, very young age. And to yeah. see these girls' faces light up when they come back, when they have found someone, you know, they, kids are so bold. I'm like, I'm scared to share the gospel with a stranger, <laughs> but they're so bold. They will stop yeah. that lady in the restaurant or, you know, when they're shopping with their mom. It's amazing to see how excited they are when they have gotten the opportunity. Not only do they now have the tools to share the gospel, but now they get to share it with someone else. Um, and I think it becomes the most real to them when they have that, that opportunity. So a lot of our conversation is going to focus on how we can help girls embrace God's identity for them. But how do you articulate what has changed? What has changed since you were growing up and being discipled compared to what girls today are currently experiencing? You know, I come from a big family, eight kids, um, and I grew up in church and in Awana. Like, I'm 33 now, and I started in Sparky's, and I've been working in girls' clubs since I was 15. So I'm like, I've been there forever. So I've been around, yeah. you know, very highly churched. I was very highly churched. 
um, but then also founding Girl Defined Ministries, which the primary target for that is more, I would say the majority of our followers are probably like 25 to 35, and it is a variety. It is not highly churched. It's not necessarily super conservative. We get a, a wide variety. So it's been really cool to have that insight into not only my own life growing up also with four other sisters and, you know, being around girls and then women and just having that experience, but getting to see, you know, something different as well. And so I would say, especially growing up, this conversation that we're having and talking about not only identity, but sexuality, all of these conversations that young people are having today, you know, churched kids, they are having these conversations today. Um, I don't remember having a lot of those conversations when I was young. And I actually remember not that long ago, I've only been married for three and a half years. So it was, you know, short, maybe four years ago, I was in a singles group and it was at my church. And I remember our pastor asking in that group of about a hundred people saying, how many of you were ever, you know, whether it was in church or by your parents had a conversation about identity and sexuality and only a handful of people in that room raised their hand. And so I just think it goes to show what my generation millennials really grew up with. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't remember a single conversation about gender identity, sexuality, Um, not that they're required to have those conversations, but it just wasn't a part of the conversation where now, even when I teach at, you know, in TNT Girls Club, we may not overtly have a big conversation about sexuality, but we are very, very intentional to, to talk about God's very specific and good design for their life as a girl growing up to be a woman for God's design for marriage being between a man and a woman that God doesn't make mistakes. Very simple concepts like that. I feel like have to be a part of the conversation now. There's a lot of good stuff there. And yes, you are definitely very passionate about it, but Melanie, I want to go to you here, which is, I think a lot of people who listen have sort of what Bethany's articulating, the sense of things almost feeling out of control. Bethany talked a lot about what has changed about the world and the messages that, you know, you guys are of a similar generation, what y'all have received as kids versus what you've received as adults. But can you just articulate what hasn't changed about God, what hasn't changed about how he prioritizes child discipleship? Yeah, you know, I resonate with so much of what they're saying, Bethany. You wanted, I'm, I'm just a slightly smaller family. I was raised, I'm the middle of six kids, not quite eight, but they were, right? So like, <laughs> I absolutely relate with some of the things you mentioned growing up. And, and I think a key thing that, um, a key thing that you pulled out that I think is important is that the kids in our churches are asking different questions. And here's what I don't want to say. Like, it's not that the kids like that us growing up, it's not that we didn't ever ask these questions, but, but in all honesty, we didn't ask them at the level that we, they, the children are asking today. And so to, to kind of talk about like, what does it look like for the church to disciple today? Um, I, I think really there are some things that are so similar, like, like, what does it look like for us to help children know one, that there is the God of the universe that, that is stepping in to say, like, you mean more to me than anything on this like planet that I have created. In fact, so much more that I've imprinted you with my image, right? So like that is still the same that Imago day that like that is still the same but what what's changed is that we're having to disciple them through the questions that we as kids didn't ask at near of an intense level sure. and that goes beyond more than just 
obviously um, identity specifically sexually, right? Like it's it's identity and just what does it look like like for me to to navigate this world that it kind of feels like how many of us have sat on a Friday night and said, okay, we're just, we're not going anywhere. We just want to find something to watch. And you've got that Netflix conversation or whatever streaming, you know, of choice that you choose. And all of a sudden an hour later, you're like, well, actually I just can't find anything to watch. Mm-hmm. Like there's some, like there's a level of that for our kids that they're experiencing that they're, yeah. there's just so the world is telling them there's so much out there for mm-hmm. them that then eventually it's like, I don't know who I am because there's just too many options. And so decide Discipleship looks different and that we're having to arrange and help align them to who God says that they are and yeah. the truth of scripture and then let those things pour out from them to determine. So then what does that look like in the world and culture? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff, Mel. I want to dive in on that because you said the phrase that works is a really good transition. It's like you've done this before. Of <laughs> who does God say they are? And obviously, Bethany, so much of your ministry focuses on Mm -hmm. the specific, unique, and honoring identity uh, that girls Mm -hmm. have um, from the Lord. So to ask what might be the most broad question you've ever been asked before, Bethany, who does God say girls Mm -hmm. are? Mm -hmm. You know, when I think about that question, um, I think that we can focus on that without no, without going overboard. I do think a lot of Christians have taken that question and gone so overboard to where it's like, you are amazing. You are wonderful. You are complete. Um, and then there's so much pressure, like, wow, I have to be all of these things, um, but not fully understanding, okay, who exactly am I as a girl? And I think mm-hmm. for humans, but, you know, across the board, we have to get back to the the basics that God created us. He is our creator. We see that in Genesis 1, and then we see that we are all made in the image of God. And that is one of the most precious and beautiful things about us. And then taking it a step further and saying, wow, if I have trusted in Christ as my savior, I am adopted into his family. So I'm no longer just Bethany. I am Bethany, God's daughter. And it sounds kind of like cheesy, like I'm a daughter of God, you know, but honestly, if we truly, even as a grown woman, like I have to remind myself of this, if we truly understood like as a woman, like, okay, I, God, the creator of the world, do I really believe that? Do I really believe he is as big and, and amazing as he, as he says he is? And then do I really believe the gospel, like that he sent his only son to die and conquer sin and death, to rise again, that he loved me and now he wants me and he adopted me into his family. Do I really believe that? Because if I did, as a girl and as a woman, that should radically change the way that I live, you know? And then we can go into scripture and we can see God says specific things like, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. We see in Proverbs, charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. But so often, even young girls, we chase after the beauty and the things that are so fleeting and we find our complete identity in them, you know? It, I know even as a young girl, your your day can be devastated if either a friend or a guy you're interested in makes a comment about you that maybe, you know, you're like, oh, wow, they don't like the way my hair looks or they think that my, you know, my body isn't, doesn't look right. It can be absolutely devastating because we've elevated people's opinions so high. So I think one of the most beautiful things we can do for young girls or teenagers or even as women to believe is to 
remember who God is, just like we're talking about, remember who God is, um, remember that we are his daughters, but ultimately, and I think this is where we have to take that next step. We can't just stop there. We have to remember like, what are we here for? Ultimately we are here as women, as men, our ultimate purpose is to live for God, to glorify him, to make other people know him. And it goes back to Jesus um, in his life. He came not to be served, but to serve. And so I think as girls, the more we focus on that, we say, wow, like my life isn't all about me and what people think of me and trying to look a certain way or get a certain guy or, you know, get a certain grade, but ultimately to make God known and to know him and to glorify him, it takes so much pressure off of trying to figure out who I am because we can accept the fact that God has named us. He has adopted us. And now our purpose is to live for him. And so I think at the, the very, very basic core, that's what it, it, you know, it means to be a girl. Obviously the Bible goes in, you know, Titus two and, you know, throughout the whole of scripture, seeing this gender, you know, man and woman and marriage, there's so much to be informed about our womanhood. But I think if we get that foundation wrong, which so many of us do, or we just don't fully grasp it, then yes. you can grow up to, you know, you see girls who are ditching the faith and rejecting it because they don't think we had a true understanding of who we were in Christ and what we're truly here for. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Hey, before we keep going with the conversation, I want to share something with you. The Child Discipleship Forum is coming back. And I don't know if you've noticed, we here at Awana are pretty passionate about this whole child discipleship thing. Each year at CDF, it's our goal to share new perspectives and spark renewed energy for child discipleship. And we are stoked about what our 2023 guests are going to bring to the table. Folks like Rebecca Lyons, Darren Whitehead, Ed Stetzer, and so many other amazing speakers are going to be gathered. And I can't wait for you and your team to join us on September 21st or 22nd in Nashville or online for a time of learning, worship, and community with other Kidman leaders. But here's the thing. If you register right now, you can save $150. Our early bird pricing is only available until March 31st. So register you and your team today by going to childdiscipleshipforum.com to secure our lowest pricing. And I'll see you in September. Yeah, because I think, especially to bring it back to messages of this world, right? There is an unhurried nature to discipleship. And so yeah. often, I would say just as a dorky dad from the suburbs, the the hurried nature of the world yes. impressed more on girls than it is on guys. Yeah, And Melanie, I want to ask you because... Again, like I said at the beginning, I think there's ways in which we gender this conversation that aren't helpful, but I also think it's important that we acknowledge the different ways we are made and the different realities that we grow up in um, and how that impacts us as adults. How would you define what we get wrong about the discipleship of girls, whether it's your own experience or what you're seeing in churches today? How does that, whatever those things are that we get wrong, how does that impact them, to Bethany's point, as girl defined would say as they are able to live out God's timeless, timeless truths for womanhood. Easy for me to say. <laughs> uh, you did great at it. Uh, 
Man, this is a really broad swath question of depending on the type of church you went to or the way that you were raised. And one of the things that we see in our world today, and this is just a really super fast bunny trail, is the conversation around deconstruction, right? And how negative it is when when we see someone who's just completely walked away from the faith. But I think what, what we are seeing in today's women who are choosing to continue to disciple um, the kids and in, in, under their influence is that there there will always be a level of deconstruction that we do in our spiritual walks to consistently align ourselves with scripture. And that's different than the complete walking away from our faith. And so I think what we're like, what we're seeing with girls is when, when we begin to place conversations around you are to do this because you're a girl it's just as damaging as when we say you can't do this because Mm -hmm. you're a girl because I think when we look at our identity and say I am woman first and then I'm child of God we actually get that wrong like I'm a child of God who he has made as a female Mm -hmm. And that is really critical for us to understand as we raise girls that should know that that while he has uniquely designed them to do things that only females can do because of how incredibly amazing he made us, that also like being his child comes first and foremost and following after mm-hmm. him needs to be first. So I think that's the biggest thing that we get wrong is when we begin to wave that flag of like, I am woman and then I'm a child mm-hmm. of God. We begin to see the the wrong emphasis on who I am meant to be and how I can glorify God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, if I may, I just want to address the statistically slightly smaller uh, group of people who are listening who are men. Because I think what I hear in that response, Melanie, you know, people would say phrases like, well, we get toxic masculinity, right? That we get this sort of version of what you're describing of trying to place our manhood above our identity and who God made us to be. But there is no denying that that pressure is far more intense on girls than it is on guys. Mm -hmm. The amount of just the quantity of time I've spent with my identity in the wrong place is different because I'm God made me a guy. And I yeah. think Bethany, I'm curious for you because so much of I would imagine at least so much mm-hmm. of your ministry is geared towards, uh, like you said, folks around your age, probably more, if you had to put it in a binary system, home versus church, probably you're talking more towards home. Now we wind up having mm-hmm. a lot of folks who are listening, who are invested in their church. They're people like you yeah. mm-hmm. leaders or their children's ministry leaders on a more broad scale. What, how do you articulate the role that they have in this conversation mm-hmm. on helping girls embrace God's identity for them, especially because nowadays more and more of them are seeing these kids less and less often. Yeah. Well, you know, I do think sometimes that kids open up to church leaders, um, even more than they do to parents because they just feel this sense of safety with them. I've noticed that, you know, with my Awana girls, I've noticed that in Girl Defined. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've received an email, um, you know, through Girl Defined saying, 
help. I've never shared this with anyone. And nine times out of 10, mm -hmm. it's something to do with their identity, sexuality, those sorts of conversations. So even me, mm -hmm. kind not so much a stranger because they'll you know watch me on YouTube or have read my books, things like that, but they feel more comfortable sharing that with me than they do with like a parent or you know someone at home. Um, and so I would say with a lot of church leaders, especially if you are you know an Awana leader or a youth group leader, something like that, you do have a unique role to have these conversations um, in a way that you know, these children might bring up or these teens might bring up in a way that they might not to parents. Now, of course, when it comes to kids, we are very intentional to, if we learn something, if we hear something, we're very intentional to talk with other church leadership or bring it up to the parents. We make sure to take those steps. And I know, you know, at Girl Define, you could look through our YouTube channel. You can look through our podcasts. We have had incredible interviews with people who are, you know, way smarter and more highly educated than me, um, taking a deep dive onto every, you know, gender, sex, sexuality, all of these topics that are happening at a younger and younger age. So I would just encourage you as a church leader to even just, you know, maybe set aside even one hour a week to where you intentionally make time to grow in your understanding of the types of conversations that are happening today, but also sure. how to help and equip from a biblical perspective. Um, I mean, I, I think just, okay, what do I do if someone says they're attracted to someone else? What, if, what do I do if someone mentions that, you know, they feel like they were born in the wrong body? Just having a few basic um, basic bits of wisdom to direct that conversation would be hugely helpful. So I think that's something that church leaders could grow in. Um, and I'm so grateful we're having this conversation to nudge in that direction because like I said, if we are shutting those conversations down or we are, don't, don't have the confidence to at least direct point them in the right direction, we know where they're going to go and it's going to be to other friends and, you know, YouTube and TikTok and that's just a disaster. Yeah. There's something so... Um, I think scary when someone comes, when a child especially comes and they're, it feels like they're, they're being vulnerable, especially yeah. around sexual sin, that all of a sudden the leader, at least I know I felt when that has happened to me, that it's like, ah, oh, like just as you described it. So I, I love your encouragement to, for leaders to do that. And I think a couple of ways that that can be super, really practical is that if you are the children's director or pastor of your church, um, coming alongside your senior leadership and asking like, what do we as a church say because what we talk to kids about shouldn't be any different than the, what we're talking to our college students and 50 year old, you know, men and women about that conversation is the same because what we have to reorient our minds to is that this is still thin. And, and it's at the same level as if a child had come to us and admitted that they had stolen something. Yeah. Yet that feels so much more practical for us to be able to speak mm -hmm. into because it's not within that realm of sexuality. And so go to your senior leadership, talk about how do we have these conversations and then begin to ask also of them, what does it look like for us to pull in parents? Because mm -hmm. when there yes. is an admission of this type, then, then there is, whether it's stealing and whether it's hitting your brother or sister and saying that that's something you struggle with, or whether it's saying that I, I find that I am attracted to my gender. Those conversations need to have a policy of some sort of how the church responds. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's a super practical first thing that y'all can agree. do is, right, like get out there and ask your leaders, what do you do? And then yeah. I think the second thing that's most important is in that moment, do not react in a way that's going to cause that space to become unsafe for that child. Amen. Rem right. Like remember that in that moment, what you say that child will, will remember forever. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so being Jesus to them in that moment is critical. And yeah. so, like you said, Bethany, I think that's so, so wise. 
have in your head, have thought about this ahead of time. So that when, because we guarantee when Mm -hmm. is the answer, not if, when this happens, you will be able to have the, if it's a simple, can I pray for you right now? Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what this is going to look like for you, but I know that God does. Yeah. Let's, let's just pray for a minute and share how this feels to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like keep that Avenue open because th- how that moment is handled, they'll remember forever. Yeah. Everyone who's listening to this is a loving, caring adult. Mm-hmm. And I know that because you're still listening. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts about doing podcasts is that I don't know you dear listener very much, but I know lots of things about you. And I know that you're invested in this conversation around child discipleship. So even though you may not have the moment of coming off stage at a conference and having someone approach you, you will have those kinds of moments in your community and they will surprise you. I, again, not yeah. if it's a matter of when, as long as you are doing what Melanie and Bethany are articulating here of being Jesus, I think it was the phrase Melanie said, being Jesus yeah. to these kids, you, they will seek that out in you because they will resonate with the fact that that is someone who is going to help me feel like I belong. And those are the people that are gonna ultimately make the most impact mm on the future of the faith. Now, Bethany, before we wrap up here, I wanna make sure we at least acknowledge the role men play in this conversation. Obviously, there needs to be more and more empowerment in ministries like yours that are specifying how to help girls embrace God's identity for them. Because I think, again, quantity of conversation, I think it's a conversation that's been lacking. Mm -hmm. However, we know that a child is going to be best discipled when there is a community of loving, caring adults around them. Mm-hmm. And that includes communities that are both men and women. Yeah. How do you articulate the differences and the similarities that men have in discipleship? And Melanie, I want to hear from you on this as well. I think that so many young women, unfortunately, don't have very engaged or, um, you know, fathers that know really how to engage in these conversations. Um, they don't, they feel uncomfortable or awkward, just don't have the tools. They could be a very caring, loving father, but, you know, maybe aren't very affectionate. And so oftentimes girls turn to, you know, another female relationship or, you know, just trying to find identity in their body, all of these things that we're talking about. Girls need to see that men are more than just, you know, wanting something from them. Their men are more than just going after their body. Men are more than just, you know, power or muscles or strength or whatever it is, whatever their perception is, men are more than just like scumbags, you know? They need to see that men, like men are humble, men love the Lord, men want to take care of those around them. And so I think men, one, like displaying that, um, men showing affection to those around them in appropriate ways, and men even being willing to talk about um, what it looks like to have a loving family, what God's design is for husbands and wives, what it looks like for a, a man to you know, in a pure, humble way, pursue a woman, you know, I think hearing those things from men is so encouraging to women, especially as these girls, you know, turn 12, 13, because they're extremely oftentimes insecure, extremely unsure of like, okay, what does a godly guy even look like? And so even if you're like, well, I am just a dumb 40 year old dad, like what girl is going to even, you know, look up to me, you have no idea the impact that your words, that your example can have in a young woman's life, because she may not have that in her life. And so to see a godly example, of a godly man can help her to have a picture of what that should look like, not only um, just as a picture of biblically, but 
also one day when she is looking for a man to marry. Um, right. And that's one of the biggest places girls go wrong. You know, 15, 16, 17, they end up with a guy that is not great. And so you being an example to them, as imperfect as we all are, could be life-changing for her to know like, okay, maybe my dad wasn't that, but I remember, you know, Mr. Scott, whoever it was, like he was such a kind, humble man. And I remember him talking about his family. I remember him talking what about, about what a good father looks like. That could be life-changing for a young woman. So never underestimate the power that you have, that God has given you to influence these young people, because um, I think it will go farther than, than you think it will. Yeah, same. I, there, I see this as twofold, although it's so nuanced and deep. Um, I think the first is very much in what Bethany just sat in, is that like men, your existence is essential to these girls understanding yes. what it looks like for a man to be a man of God. So yes. if you keep yourself in the word and you're saying like, God, what does it look like for me to be a man de like designed by you? That will come out in what she mm -hmm. sees. So don't underestimate the greeting that you have at the door as you're a greeter on the like welcome team at church for the people who are coming through those doors. Do not underestimate your role there. Don't underestimate your role if you have, you know, donut time in between services yes. of handing that donut to that child. Don't underestimate that because that is influencing her and what she is seeing as a man of God. Mm -hmm. And I think the second part that I'd say is um, we, we talk a lot uh, at Awana about what it looks like to speak words of life over children. And I think this is something that, that men can do particularly in a group setting, because we always want to make sure again, that, yeah. you know, Bethany kind of mentioned, like you don't, that someone doesn't feel like you're singling out a girl, be, uh, yeah. just, just yeah. don't, just don't even go there. So for protection, do it in a group setting. If that, if that girl seems like, um, it worked because you know that girl well enough and say, Hey, would you mind praying for us? Like ask them to, to engage, like, yes. like respect and engage with them just as much as you would with the, the, the kid that you're giving knuckles to, or, mm -hmm. you know, noogies on the head, the boy. Right. And I think the other, like, so you can do it that, but then you can also do it with their parents or with another leader to that girl individually go to their parents kids will beam if we like imagine mm -hmm. if you walked to that parent and said i saw in your daughter today a, 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 a thing that just reminded me so much of this piece in scripture where yeah. i saw this character trait in her and i just wanted to tell you that and and do everything that you can to not make them about her image about yes. the beauty standards make them character traits of what it is to be a woman of God. That is another way that you can just practically encourage the girls around you. Um, it's by speaking those words of affirmation and life over their identity. I saw this in yeah. you. As a child disciple maker, you know how it feels for a child or teen to come to you and ask a deep, difficult question, and you feel totally unprepared to answer it. The mission of childdiscipleship.com is to equip leaders and parents to disciple the kids in their sphere of influence in those exact moments. Whether they're in your church, your home, or your community, these resources will connect you to the transforming truth of the gospel so that you can consistently walk alongside the kids and teens in your life to help them become resilient disciples. 
When you have the privilege, as you do, of walking alongside a child desiring to follow after Jesus, childdiscipleship.com is here to give you the confidence you need to focus on relationship centered on the ways of Jesus. Check out childdiscipleship.com and start having deeper, formative conversations with the kids and teens in your life today. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Marlon Washington and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.